0: In the holy name of Jesus, we are now four weeks into Epiphany, which with Pentecost is one of the two green growing seasons in the church. These are the seasons of the church year in which the Lord seeks to stretch us and to use us. Epiphany is just a big word for revelation or explanation, and it has begun much as we expected it would. As soon as as Jesus was baptized, he began explaining himself to us, telling us who he is, so we can figure out who we are. His first explanation came at a wedding in Cana a few weeks ago, where Jesus did a very simple miracle. You remember this, I think. First, there were six stone jars of water, and everybody was sad. And then there were six stone jars of wine, and everybody was happy. And the most striking thing was that without a word or a touch or much of a stir, just by being there in flesh and blood, just by being present, Jesus changed water into wine, and more importantly, he changed sinners into obedient and faithful disciples. And the point... The point is very simple. When Jesus is here in flesh and blood, everything changes. Jesus comes to make a difference. Or more precisely, he comes to make you different and to make me different. Jesus does not just change water into wine. Jesus changes us so that the world can become a happier place. Last week in Nazareth, and again, this week in Capernaum, we learned that not everybody likes the difference that Jesus makes. Not everybody is happy about the happiness he brings. And when Jesus is present, he is not always welcome. Not in our churches, and not in our families, and not in our villages. Though Jesus is always present, he is not always welcome. And frankly, there are times when in our churches and our families and our villages, we find him irritating. Check the gospel for today. Once again, we meet Jesus on the Sabbath in the synagogue as was his custom. Once again, Jesus stands up and speaks with a commanding presence. The people say he speaks as one with authority, and they are amazed. The words that he delivers are gifts of the Holy Spirit to the Messiah from the Heavenly Father. And so they possess the full authority of the Holy Trinity. And thus his words do what they say. Whether it is changing water into wine or pulling a devil out of a man who is possessed. But still, not everybody likes Jesus. Not in our churches, or in our families, or in our villages. Why not? Because his presence, and his changes, and his authority, and the differences he makes, and the changes that he brings... And even the happiness that he reveals are an explicit criticism of us and our lives. If Jesus must bring happiness, it means that somehow we are unhappy. If Jesus is Savior, it means we must be saved. If Jesus is Redeemer, it means that somehow we need to be bought back. If Jesus is way, it means that somehow we are lost. If he is truth, then somehow our lives are a lie. If Jesus is life, it means that we are somehow dead. If Jesus is Jesus, the one who forgives, Yahweh saves is what his name means. It means that we are sinners and done for if we are left to ourselves. So, when Jesus comes into the world in flesh and blood, when Jesus comes to a church or a family or a village and begins to explain himself that way, telling us who he is and telling us who we are, it's no reason that last week they tried to throw him off a cliff and that in a few more weeks when the pyramids turn to the purple of Lent, they will nail him to a cross. Still, it's good to remember that what happens here this morning is actually a benefit for us, even though it does not always feel like it. As I read this text this morning, it seems to me that pulling a demon out of a man or a fever out of Peter's mother-in-law or a disease out of a leper is very much like pulling a tooth. Both of them are a sort of extraction. Jesus appears and gives his diagnosis. Something rooted very deeply has gone very wrong. And however painful it might be, the evil must go. The damning bits need to be yanked out in full. And if they are not, we grow sick and we die. Whether it is an exorcism or a healing or holy absolution, that is true. But once it is done with a shriek and a yelp, then we have the opportunity to be enormously grateful, just as those in these stories were. And we not only have the chance to get better ourselves, but to do better for Christ who saved us. That last bit is extraordinarily important. And I hope that you have noticed that in these miracle stories, Jesus' tangible presence always leads to tangible good for other people. His gifts and his words and his wine and his healing and his teaching those things are tangible goods done in love for God and service to his neighbors. And that is precisely what he wants from us as his followers. We should not be embarrassed to say this that what Jesus Christ wants us wants from us is a tangible expression of our faith which extends his kingdom in this time and in this place. Certainly you've noticed that God changes flesh and blood, that God changes water to wine, that God changes prophecy to fulfillment, and God changes gospel to action, especially as it is put into his disciples. Certainly you have noticed that in Jesus himself, the Son of God The divine person, second person of the Trinity, changed to one of us. Certainly you have noticed that in him, there is no distance between his words and his works, between what he says and what he does, between his witness and his mercy. The miracle stories always seem to end with Jesus' love taking a concrete, tangible form for the people around him. And so you see, it's a very easy and short step from that to the capital campaign which we've just begun. It is a capital campaign that is all about Eucharistia, about gratitude or thankfulness in action, in concrete, tangible form. The biggest mistake that you and I can make is to think that somehow a capital campaign is about money. A capital campaign is a spiritual exercise in love for God and service to our neighbors. Money is neither good nor evil, it is a neutral, it is a thing. It is a tool or a vehicle that helps us get from A to B. It is a way that we have chosen together to order our society. So money is not the real or the primary question. The real and primary question is how to follow Jesus in tangible, concrete ways. How to love God. How to serve our neighbors, both inside this community and outside. How to live in gratitude and thanks. Thanks to a God who has changed us from sinners into saints by cha- changing his only begotten Son into the flesh to extract our sins and to save us and to impart his Spirit as a gift. After praying and thinking and meeting and talking for almost 10 years, the real, concrete, tangible decision that has been made by this congregation is to buy property next door. We need to be very clear about this. We are not buying property because we like property. We are not buying a big building because we like big buildings. We're not making big plans because we like big plans. If the truth were known, this purchase is going to complicate my life and yours for the rest of the time that I serve here. All things considered, however, feelings and ideas and financing and capability and opportunities and everything else after almost 10 years of thinking and talking and praying, this seems best. It seems for us at this place and time the best thing for us to do. The most tangible and concrete expression of the gospel which Jesus has put into our hands. The natural step of thankfulness for what we have been given. It plays itself out in acts of mercy and words of witness. It is not about the money. The money is a neutral thing. It is a spiritual exercise intended to stretch us in this green, growing season of the church so that you and I become the disciples that Jesus wants. It's really as simple as that. In his holy name, amen.